episode four. We've finally reached episode four. It's unbelievable. It's been a month. Can you believe that? Yeah. That's, Crazy. That's just gone. That's actually just popped into my head. <laughs> so welcome everyone uh, to FIA Goes PC. And as we said, this is the fourth episode. Hurrah! Yay! So yeah, it's been a hell of a week, as we said uh, last time. We are now officially, well, we have officially begun filming Project FIA. It's been pretty good, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's good to get out of pre-production into production. Yeah, like pre-production is a constant thing on something like this, oh, I think. Planning, yeah. <laughs> because the, um, you know, it's it's an evolutionary narrative, really, because it's improv. You're always having to uh, change things, think on the fly, and pretty much what's been the uh, the beginning of this week is a good example of that. There's the uh, foresight of the uh, dreaded thing about the UK and filming, and that's the weather, which literally changes daily. <laughs> Unpredictably predict- <laughs> predictably unpredictable. Yes. See, it's win that hasn't got a teeth in tonight. <laughs> so I win. Yay! Yeah. Not that I'm win. Anyway. I haven't introduced this yet, Wynn. So, yeah, as always, I'm your host, Danny Hale, a.k.a. Rebel Zen. And with me is Winifred Mark, the producer of this show and Project FIA. Say hello. Hello. There she is. And she's actually more awake. We've charged her with caffeine and uh, put electrodes on her head. (laughs) So she's sort of under threat. If she falls asleep, she'll get zapped Mm. or something. It's not strictly true. I shouldn't really say that because that sounds like torture. But it's self-induced, I assure you. And no (laughs) win was hurt in the making of this podcast. There you go. But uh, just before we start getting into the details of the week and, uh, you know, reliving uh, production diary number one. Ooh, that sounds crazy. With everyone at home. I just wanted to highlight something because in episode two, uh, me and Pete were talking about music and he brought up Either Yeah, I think he did bring it up, actually. He brought up that the first gig he'd ever seen was Linkin Park. And as you all know, uh, recently, uh, Chester Bennington from Linkin Park has passed away. So I thought it was it's kind of uh, appropriate, I think, because we were talking about the band and, and, and other bands. Um, I just sort of wanted to say to any fans of Linkin Park out there listening in, or even if the band ever stumbles upon this here podcast, um, our thoughts are with you, our prayers are with you, and you know it's 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 really a tragedy beyond words, especially weeks after Chris Cornell. You know, um, it it means a lot to me, prob- probably less to you, Win. But you know, being in in the music vein, it's kind of a brotherhood. So yeah, peace to all of you, and hopefully you get through it all, and just remember the good stuff. Remember. Everything that he brought to music, that incredible voice. I mean, it will be missed. He had one of the best voices in rock, that's for sure. Metal, for sure. Well, kind of rock metal, because Linkin Park were a bit different, a bit special. So, yeah, like, just thoughts are out with you. Feeling it. And uh, we'll move on from there. But I thought I'd just mention Mm -hmm. that. Yeah? So let's get into the week. So let's rewind the clock to Tuesday. So Tuesday... We actually, um, we were finishing pre-production, starting to plan the episode. And at that point, the weather was pretty good. So 
the weather wasn't an issue. And I think the forecast was going to be good up until Thursday at that time, <laughs> which pretty much in England changes on, on the drop of a dime, really. But the Tuesday issue was our original location setting for Wednesday's episode. We had planned and we were walking in to try and discuss it. But obviously locations and the management of, of certain locations in Birmingham changed quite a lot due to the fact that Hollywood's moved in to town, which is the irony of everything because mm. everything we were saying about Los Angeles um, is now somewhat applicable, not entirely applicable, but somewhat applicable in Birmingham where it, I believe it's Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's new film, Ready Player One, which is either out late this year or next year. Could be next summer. What do you reckon? Next summer? I think it's next year. Next next year. Well, Ready Player One is, um, I don't know if you know this, everyone listening, but it was actually filmed in this city that we're in, <laughs> mostly filmed in Birmingham. So it's when you have a, a big deal like that show up, obviously it changes the game somewhat. And now the Birmingham Film Commission is starting to think, Hollywood. So it has changed the format a little bit. Certain places that are, um, you know, public spaces, for example, have kind of fallen into guideline of big projects as opposed to the small projects or something that is, I guess, worldwide blockbuster material as opposed to like simple us with an idea. Indies. Yeah. <laughs> the champion of Indies, we like to call us ourselves i should say the whole group but realistically it's like the uh the politics are kind of shifting a little bit which is fine it's good for the city um but as i said it's it's kind of a little bit tough at times when you haven't got the multi-millions to play with eh? Mm. so um saying that uh tuesday changed and because this is an improvised project anyway we we have to think on our feet in the setup anyway so it was actually a blessing in disguise, I think, because the original choice was quite, I would say, um, unadventurous. It was quite obvious, I feel. Yeah. But what we what we actually, what rose from the ashes of that, if you will, um, through our, our pre-production day on Tuesday, our final pre-production day, was that we actually had that brainwave of working on the canals mm-hmm. in Birmingham. And... Got to just shout out to anyone who runs businesses with the canal boats in Birmingham. It's like a network. Um, it spans uh, through the Midlands. It actually covers most, if not all, of the UK, I think, the canal networks. Yeah, it's very it's fast. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's one of the big um, tourist spots of Birmingham is the canal system. And we literally had this idea. We were sat down... <laughs> in a place again this is a day of discovery tuesday because we as soon as one location sort of fell through we had to think of several others and and just bounce ideas and, and go and visit a lot of people and see what we could pull together and we actually stumbled a, uh, upon this quite an amazing place which we will tell you at a later date because it'll probably enter on the show at some point but whilst we were there the idea of the canals hit me like straight away and I was thinking that would be so much fun because it's a great way to kind of you know kick things off um especially sort of 
to show people around the world, I guess, that network, that kind of, it's very British and it's, it's predominantly a British thing. I, I believe um, the, the canal barges and stuff. So I thought we should arc a story from, from that perspective. And we went through lists of horrendous things, didn't we? Cause we, I think the original idea I had was the craziest one, which was like, let's get, um, let's rent one uh, yeah. for, for the week. And <laughs> Yeah, they're quite expensive. <laughs> well, it's it's designed for family holidays. Yeah. If you're thinking of a family, it's, it's actually... It's like renting a house, yeah, literally. It's kind of like... Um, well, it is. It's like a, a caravan on the water. Mm. But for um, families, it's it's actually a fairly reasonable holiday. But for us, I think it's, you know, it's a different purpose. So we would, I don't know, guess use it like predominantly for filming for probably 10 minutes of footage. And when you're paying a weekly rate for 10 minutes of footage, doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's the filmmaking brain. Um, that was the first idea. And we had to whittle that idea down quite a few times. And we came across the, um, well, I actually knew about it before, but it was the uh, Birmingham Canal Taxi, mm-hmm. which is that pink, mini pink boat, right? Yes, right. So explain what that's all about. Ah, it, it's, uh, it's called Ariel, I believe. And um, it goes around the center of Birmingham, so you can pay like four pounds for a ride within the center of Birmingham. Yeah, it, it works like it's kind of like a motorized gondola. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, kind of cute. But it's it's small. It's not like a, a it's just, it's like a four to six seat, I believe. Yeah, but, it's it's like a mini speedboat. Y- well, yeah, like a, it's kind of. It's so, <laughs> and we're trying our best to visual, like visually explain this thing. It's quite unique. It's kind of like a miniature barge gondola speedboat is what it is. If if you merge all of that and you come up with ten, it's like a tent on a gondola speedboat barge. Yeah, basically it didn't. That one didn't really work out because once you go out of Birmingham, apparently uh, they go by time. And that little boat goes four miles an hour. Yeah. So for the location that we wanted to go to, it would have taken quite a well, this long is, time. It's and actually quite an important thing to say as well, because if you do ever come to Birmingham and you think it's a unique way to get to your business meeting, bear in mind, it's really just to see sites because if you're in a rush four miles an hour, it ain't going to cut it, especially if you're from New York City. You're, you're just going to be losing your mind. So, no, it's really to enjoy, probably for the kids. Um, but the, the people running the show there are, are great people. They were very helpful to us, like, um, guiding us through, seeing what they could do for us to accommodate. And they were just great people. So if you do visit this this fair and great city, uh, try and give them a call or um, see see if you can, you know, get on it if you're, if you're with your family or just in town for tourism or whatever. It's It's great to do. The other uh, connection was the uh, party party boat. Yeah, party boats Birmingham, I think. Yeah, which is basically like, I mean, what's the hire on that? Explain that. Is it like um, standard for a party? Well, it depends because uh, they also do. I think it's that there there are about three main companies, and they do sort of daily trips. Right. And it ranges. I forget the exact price, but it's something like seven eight pounds per person. Right. For a you know. A ride around town yeah. or an hour, hour and a half maybe, but you can rent the whole boat out for 
you know, a party. Yeah, like a hen's night or a stag's yeah. do or a work's do or whatever. You know. They can do catering as well, drinks. There's a dance floor on one Yeah, of that's them. the thing. Like, they, they were saying this, there's a dance floor. I was like, gee whiz. That's different. It's a different party. Yeah. But I mean, just to set, like, because we have a lot of international people listening to this, just to um, explain a canal boat, like the barges, um, they were literally used to, I mean, back, way back, probably Victorian times, they, they used to pull in coal from the mines and, and take it down the channelways to um, London uh, or any stop <laughs> pretty much in the UK. The network was put in, I, I believe it was Victorian. It could have been earlier. But they were horse-drawn, which when you go to Birmingham, you'll see on the uh, canal sides there's these brick steps everywhere, especially on the bridges or just on some areas. They still still bump out on the flat. And that was to stop the horses from running, you see. And I remember this fondly because my granddad used to have black and white pictures of it mm. in his house and... It was quite amazing. It's like one of these magical things. And then I believe the the idea of um, the, the barges, once they were decommissioned, they were turned into kind of like houseboats. And so it is literally like having a trailer on the water. Mm-hmm. Got a full kitchen on most of them, bathroom, bedrooms, lounge, all of this. And there are quite a few people in, in the UK that live on them. You know, some... Someone that uh, that I knew uh, used to live on a on the old boats and would come come into it to uh, to work. So it was it was quite quite an amazing life. I think he had. And anyway, if you do get to come to the UK, uh, check it out. That that you'll see him in uh, Stratford, um, Birmingham, Worcester, all of the areas really big cities. Definitely London, and yeah, it's it's good. Even if you uh, get kind of a couple of weeks to to hire one out it'll be a good good fun to drive up up and down the canals as as long as you don't mind taking it slow or if they you like slow. if you like hiking <laughs> that kind of thing then yeah. um the if you check out the networks there, there's a lot of good sort of running um paths and stuff yeah that's that's a good point because it is pretty much like having a, a, a caravan that moves and then all of the areas you'll go through countryside and all, mm. all of that. You'll have all the hiking trails. So we set it up for you. No excuse. Go to a canal boat. So that was pretty much the the first day of filming. We'd we'd actually set it up uh, for the canal boat, and we spent most of the day in Birmingham and on, and on that boat really. And then the Thursday was a wrap up. So we actually had two days, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Two days on the boat, and we wrapped that up. Uh, and that was when the weather started changing Thursday. We were told, actually, Thursday would be quite a grim day. And it actually turned out that Thursday was fine. And then Friday, it became horrific. It was basically torrential rain most of the day. Eh? Yeah, it was very grey. We had our autumn feelings on Friday. That's the best way I can say it. The, the, the heat that we'd had, which was in mid-20s, in Celsius, sorry guys in America, I have no idea what Fahrenheit <laughs> Celsius becomes. Uh, someone will tell me, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> but basically, it went from pretty hot to s- stupid cold. Pretty cold, yeah. Yeah, and Friday became one of these days in filmmaking where you're just like, right, we, we can't actually do what we intended to do this day. So we kind of just wrapped up, did some pickup shots, 
ran around town like mad things. I did some uh, sound work. Got some. Yeah, you did some sound work, didn't you? Yeah. Some mapping sound. We we were basically collecting ambient sounds for the future. And we just ran around doing that. And good old Pete was there, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Keeping us entertained and happy, yep. as always. <laughs> He'll be, I, th- I hope he's back. I think him and uh, him and Shaq, who's the other presenter, who will be revealed sometime soon. We're hoping next week we'll get them in. It's just that everyone's kind of worn out from, from this whole week. We've had, we've had quite a crazy week because Friday was a, a day where we, again, we had to change our plans on, on, on the whim. And it led us to our Saturday, which was a hell of a day, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saturday, we had to go to Coventry. Yes. We took a trip to Coventry. And we're in a unique area in, in the fact that we're in the West Midlands because a lot of cities are quite close. And Coventry is super close. It's actually closer on train, totally the same distance <laughs> on the map. But in train, it's closer than driving. It's one of those in strange time, things, yeah. yeah, because you have to kind of go all over the place to get to it. Well, and the train kind of goes as the crow flies. Yeah, well, it's yeah, so. pretty much direct. And you don't have to always. deal with Birmingham traffic, etc. Well, that's the thing that's funny, really, because Birmingham traffic's got crazy as well. It, it's turned into more of an L.A situation at rush hour it's always been pretty bad but yeah. now i think it covers the entire birmingham because everyone's found all of the second roads in mm-hmm. you know which we used to use to avoid the uh the rush road, hour, yeah. Yeah, when i was working here way back when in the day at virgin megastore shout out it's dead now so i'm shouting to nothing to dead space <laughs> Woo-hoo! um but yeah no like so it was it was what a 20 20 minute Train, uh, twenty train minute train, yeah. yeah. And when you get to Coventry, and I hadn't been to Coventry for a long time, so years, years, and years. And when I turned up at the old station, I thought someone had kidnapped the city. Because <laughs> I, I was like, "Where is it?" I mean, I, I've got to explore. I've got to go again because I, I think where we came out, it was facing the uh, the other side, where it's sort of three buildings and a field, you know. Mm. But it's it's kind of interesting, Coventry, because that side at least was like going back in time a bit for me. It was almost like how I remember Birmingham before the facelift, which now Birmingham's a whole different thing entirely. Mm-hmm. So we arrived at Coventry, and uh, they are civilized in Coventry. They have a Starbucks. That was important. Yeah, it's that, very important. Is, is that the definition of civilized society? It, it most definitely is, because <laughs> if. Uh, if you got Starbucks in your train station, you're okay with me. If you haven't, I'm sorry, but you know, get one because <laughs> it's essential. You need a Starbucks at a station. You don't need it several times in the city, though, do you? Mm. To be fair, yeah, it's literally a Starbucks on almost every corner, and it's happening here. Yeah, they're building two new ones. I've huh? noticed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're building two new ones in Birmingham because, of course. You can't go 100 steps without a Starbucks now. Mm. It's a rule. We'll probably see a Monopoly game where everything on a Monopoly board is Starbucks. And there's probably one independent Maybe it's going to be a a Starbucks Monopoly board. Probably. And it'll just be really boring. (laughs) If you don't land on Starbucks, go to prison. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we've just created a game for you. 
Um, so yeah, there's Starbucks popping up. That was so random. So yeah, we get off the old train. They have a Starbucks. I'm very happy. Mm. You gotta understand, it makes me happy. And we then got an Uber with our mate Rog. I'm mm-hmm. gonna give him a shout out, Roger in Coventry. Woo! Yeah, he was great. He was. Uh, he picked us up, and we uh, we off, off and went. Where did we go? We went to the airport. We went to the airport, <laughs> or near of, it, next to the airport. Of which I've probably, you know, been in this area for definitely, definitely over half my lifetime. I'm just doing a math because I've got to add all the times I've been away, mm. and I never knew Coventry had an airport. It's so stupid. Well, I actually, when I was looking at the train tickets, uh, I was expecting that we could go directly because, you know, airports usually have train yeah. stations and there wasn't one. I was <laughs> See, okay. surprised. And I want to build this up because there are people out there that will know that their towns or cities um, are classic. I'm going to be nice and say classic, which means they might not have a Starbucks at their train <laughs> station. Okay. Coventry does, which means it's progressive. <laughs> And it's evolving, and that's a good thing. But it has no link to the airport, because the airport is really different, to put it mildly. it's I think it does commercial flights, but it is pretty much in a field in the middle of nowhere. Eh? Mm-hmm. It's quite amazing, because when Roger took us to, and I'm just building Roger up, He's a great guy. Yeah, we don't really know who Roger is. No, he's awesome. He's an awesome <laughs> driver. I think he was Le Mans. Anyway, um, he was just a great guy, and we were making him laugh, especially Pete. And as we drove through what literally looked like we were in Redditch to me, which is the town nearest where I'm from originally. And it was just like we're in the countryside straight away. Just walk out, not walk out, drive out of the airport mm-hmm. and you're in the countryside. And as we're going down towards the airport that we didn't know existed, <laughs> but it does, you have to clarify it. Not only did we pass Burger King, which is another good sign of progression. Of civilization. And civilization, mm-hmm. which I believe used to be a pub. So it's Burger King that is now, but was once a pub. Mm-hmm. So that's progression, see? That's a sad progression. Well, it's, I mean, it's just progression. So um, as we're driving through there, we passed what looked like a set of Game of Thrones done miniature. (laughs) And of course, everyone else didn't notice it, but my eyes went larger than life. And I'm like almost drawing on a window at it because I'm thinking we've got to use that. That would be amazing. So... If you see us in a fourth in Project FIA, you'll understand that that's down to this this drive, really, mm. in, in towards a place we didn't know existed. Yeah. So as we drove past there, we then hit a main road in the middle of farmland. Let's be honest. Farmland either side. And lo and behold, we came upon our destination, which was? Flight Simulator Midlands. Yes. Ran... In part by... Captain Chris Rigby. That's correct. Who uh, helped us with our <laughs> our job that day. Yeah, crazy demand that we had because we won't spoil anything for you guys. Uh, it's featured obviously in the first episode of Project FIA. But we were after a particular setup. And again, this was on a whim, much like the canal boat, where I said, I'm going to need X. And wind starts panicking. 
But lo and behold, we had this incredible, helpful, jovial, brilliant guy, Captain Chris Rigby, who in person was one of the nicest people I think I've ever met. He's just, awesome. Just a great, yeah. <laughs> jovial, amazing guy. And, you know, he's he's clocked some serious time on, on the old airplanes. Mm-hmm. Commercial pilot. So he was just a fountain of knowledge. Really, really great guy to be around. And uh, spent the day with him, mm-hmm. learning how to fly, didn't we? Pretty much. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, took us on a tour around Hong Kong, which was lovely. Oh, yeah. It's like being, being home, but... Being home, but being away. Yeah, yeah. I had to uh, stop myself from pointing out, oh, I live over there. <laughs> Drop me off here. Yeah. I'll get off here. Where's the parachute? Yeah, no, it, it was cool. Um, he he flew us into the old airport, the old Kai Tak airport, which is uh, now something else. I think you can like go play uh, people yeah. or karting or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that. they turned into a um, in Hong Kong. and We're just skipped back to Asia for a second, it is now kind of an entertainment hub. Yeah. Uh, the Kai Tak Airport um, in Kowloon City used to be quite dangerous to fly through because it was so close to the buildings. That's why most of the buildings in Kowloon City are, are really short. Um, now, obviously, we've got higher ones, but you can tell the difference between the old and the new buildings. Yeah, it's, it's one of these, I think it was one of the most talked about uh, entrances into a country as, as an approach Ever. And it was it was sad in a way because I was really excited by the premise of like nearly crashing uh, uh, into like someone's living room because I, <laughs> I always thought that'd be fun, wouldn't it? You're like nearly in Hong Kong and you can make their TV really 3D if they're watching, you know, uh, Top Gun. Imagine that set up, watching Top Gun and then you get a surprise visit from Tom Cruise in the plane through your living room. Be great. But no, it was, it was one of these dangerous, um, it was potentially dangerous, but there was no, to my knowledge, there was never a crash there. Not I think it I was know. one of the safest actual airports ever. But it was the approach for the passengers, I think, made it more terrifying than it was for the pilots. Well, they also needed to expand the airport because, you know, as a growing city and stuff. Yeah. So uh, if you fly to Hong Kong now, you'll be flying into Lantau Island, our largest island. And it's a man-made airport. Yeah, and uh, yeah, reclaim, it's on it's reclaim on reclaimed land. land. Yeah, and well, I I may be biased, but I think it's the best airport in the world. I love it. You are biased. <laughs> I am biased, but, but it's amazing. It is. It is one hell of a airport. It really is. I think the the one in Osaka is like the junior brother of it, like mm-hmm. little brother of it, because it's very similar. Great to see it. Like it, it really is kind of out another level of an airport. You know, I think um, a lot of uh, new airports being built have certain elements modeled from Hong Kong, like well, we the, know, the new LA one. We know Tom Bradley, yeah. yeah. It's the Tom Bradley extension, and the look is definitely got some basis on on the uh, the HK airport. But we can't sell that too much because everyone will get to see it. Let's get back to Coventry. It's, it's pre- well, yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, if you ever go to Hong Kong, it's default. Yeah. So you it's not like we can sell the airport to you. <laughs> You'll end up there. Anyway, so, yeah, Coventry. So... It was a crazy day. It's one of these days where um, we had again all of all of the guys were there. So Pete, Shaq, yourself, me, we're all there, situated in this place, learning pretty much the ropes, how to fly and how to land, and all of this stuff. A couple of treats and a couple of surprises, and we met all the staff. Well, some of the key staff, I should say. There's a lot of staff. We probably waved to most of them, 
But um, with uh, Captain Chris, who who else was there? Uh, Sajad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who is he's 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 trained as well. He's basically uh, flown commercially too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But he was a great guy, and I got I got to give props to him because he was so excited. Um, to kind of, he was enthusiastic by what we were doing, filming and stuff. And I just thought, you know, what a great guy. Really, really opened up and uh, tried his best that day because we got him to do some silly, silly things. Mm-hmm. Won't say anything. Try not to ruin. There's no spoilers attached to this show. But he was great. And they were so accommodating. You kind of just wanted to. I actually wanted to. Um, I, I thought we should uh, set up a sitcom in that office with all of them because they were just great characters mm-hmm. weren't they? good times and and there was a couple of things that i found really interesting about the place because it's quite historical it's been going since 1936 is that right uh yeah the coventry airplane club was established in 36 but i think they actually started training or, or using yeah. the planes from like 32 or something which is amazing and it's it's a very it's pretty much where the um, where we were working, it's in the center of a hangar with a bunch of light aircraft, and it is a flight school. It's a legitimate flight school, and I think one of their offers, which sounded amazing to me, was like that you can fly yourself and a friend or something to France for lunch and then fly back. And I'm like, that's insane. Mm. You know, I mean, that's every day for John Travolta, <laughs> who's got a plane in the back back of his garden. But for most of us, that's just like, that's insane. How cool would that be? Just, what are you going to do today? I'm going to fly my mate and go to France, get a baguette, come back. Crazy. Didn't say where in France. That's a key thing. That wasn't mentioned. You'd have to inquire. Because <laughs> I'd want to go, obviously I'd want to go to Cannes. And I think that's a bit ambitious in one day. Mm. Yeah. The thing about Cannes is, when you arrive at Cannes, very little Cannes. <sighs> But that's, that's a different that's a different conversation. I don't even know if Cannes have a football team. Don't look at me. They should be called the superstars if they do, you know, or the or the directors. Mm. Anyway, that's that's up for jury selection. Uh, I don't know. Ha, ha, ha. Ooh, there's a pun there. So yeah, so we we did our um, we did our Coventry trek, and it was a great day. I, I have to admit though. Because it fell right out on a farmer's field, we had this uh, bizarre attack of the Beatles. And I'm not talking John, Ringo, Paul and <laughs> No, actual George. Beatles. But actual Beatles. Actual black Beatles. Like the, the Beatlest Beatles of Beatles. Yeah. And they all were coming straight from my feet. And it started as one, right? And poor Shaq was there, like, just ignoring them. Because he's a city city kid, and he's probably never seen insects. I'm joking. <laughs> so mean to say. No, he's not for, even here to defend himself. <laughs> of course. Well, that's his fault. No, I'm joking. He'll he'll be here to defend himself or laugh at me. He'll probably just laugh at me. But the uh, Beatles were coming towards me, and I've I've mastered since the age of a very young nipper. So that's not giving too much away there. Um, probably since I was six to kick. Beatles across the floor without killing them. It's a very skillful art. Is that a pastime of yours? Yeah, it's kind of like because we couldn't afford air hockey. (laughs) So we had to improvise. And uh, they're very similar to the uh, pucks you get in air hockey Beatles if you hit them right. So I was 
and this is really not good if you're an animal protection agency or something like this, but no beetles, at least none that I got into contact, were hurt because I'm very good at, at uh, foot beetle. I scored a lot of goals. Well, they just slide across, really, so it's not like you're killing Well, them I'm really. trying to save their life, because I knew the minute Pete came out of the door, is just going to stamp on all of them by default. That's what I thought. So I'm thinking, I'm saving your life. So I was playing, and they were friends afterward. They brought their mates. So it started as one, three, then six. It was Attack of the Beatles. <laughs> so that was a good day. Um, How but did you is... know they weren't trying to form a band? Well, it wasn't four. There wasn't four, but Shaq said that he saw one of them eating one of them earlier. Because uh, one had turned over and they started attacking. Uh, so, you know, it's I never killed anything, but they kill their own. So I suppose, what can you do about that? I'll probably phone up the uh, beetle course and say that it was beetle cannibal, killer, cannibalism. Man, so it's my tea. Beetle, beetle cannibalism on jury at Cannes. And that's the title. No. Okay. Um, so yeah. So moving swiftly along. Great day. Um, but yeah, quite re- really long day. And then we we finished it all by going to the cafe upstairs, which was great, ran by a family, which mm-hmm. was amazing. And it was like just like hanging out in a VIP lounge, man. It was awesome. It was quite homely. Very homely. Very comfortable. Very relaxing. Yeah. And pretty much exclusive because we were. On a strange day, at a strange time. Mm-hmm. But that was great. And that wrapped our day up really nicely. Um, and then uh, I think in the future we'll have Captain Chris with us here. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think we're looking at September time. But sometime in September I feel like we'll have Captain Chris here to talk all about the wonders of, you know, flying and the dramas of flying. And he also um, sails boats. Hmm. Yeah, so we can talk all about that. It's fascinating, dude. Yeah, really fascinating. Guy. Can't Real... wait for him to. Can't wait for him to be on the show. Seeing your teeth is still not set, but he is uh, very happy and uh, great guy. Really knowledgeable dude, and uh, it was it was just a pleasure, really pleasure and an honor mm. to be around those guys. So shout out to uh, Flight Simulators Midlands. Flight Simulator Midlands at at Coventry. Check them out. Yeah, right next to the airport. Of which does exist. It legitimately does exist. <laughs> Amazing. So that wraps up Coventry. And we've deduced that they are civilised because they have a Starbucks at their railway station. It's very good. But the question is, what is the difference between this TV show being Project FIA and your experiences with film, would you say? Well, the main difference is the improvisational element for this programme, I guess, because... When we're doing film, we have, even if it's not completed, a script. So there's a backbone of something that I know that I need this, I know that I need this person on this date, and I can arrange that. Whereas for this program, something can change drastically within, say, an hour. Yeah, it's it's the truest nature of improv, because just to sort of explain it a bit better, improvised story narrative is usually done on stage it's usually something that you still have a blueprint because the audience provides you with either a prop or a suggestion or you know you 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 work on that as a group possibly whilst um including the audience sometimes you do it even before you perform 
there is always a base, a template in film. I don't think improvisations really utilize that much. And in this, we have probably the window of a week to set up a semi-plan, which in film, any old filmmaker will turn around and tell you that that's crazy. The only thing that I know that is so-called improvised film is the 24-hour film challenge where a group of people come together and they have 24 hours to make a film. But from the films that I've seen, I think that they've done some planning ahead of time. To be honest, even that's probably a year in advance when I've got some kind of concept together. Yeah, it's not like they have nothing on day, you know. Yeah, like we're dealing with a one week leeway. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's something that you're going to hear quite constantly uh, uh, when we do weekly wrap ups because things really are like subject to change. And it is kind of a thing that we'll be filming one day and then something will pop up between the cast, especially the cast. And we'll be like, Oh, we got to do that. Like it is sort of an idea. We'll see on the, like whilst filming, we'll be thinking about it or talking about it. And then it'll probably end up like, you know, the next day of filming, we'll do something based on that conversation Mm. or, or whatever. What we've done in this show for example, is set up a principal target. I'll say that again because my teeth are now not set. Uh, a principal topic, that's what we set the uh, episodes up with. And then usually you would script that out and flesh it out and come up with lines and, and planning and all of this stuff. But we literally use that topic and where 99% of most people's thoughts will take that topic into a direction that's fairly obvious we have to be the one percent that doesn't that's the nature of this show Mm. so we're trying to be that one percent that would see a topic and go completely abstract with it more or less and i feel like that's probably the challenge for you because Mm. you're usually dealing with my ideas and then you have to produce to an idea as opposed to a script is that a fair assessment yeah definitely and I mean, the thing is with ideas is that you want to have an original idea. So when you throw one at me like left field, then I really have to catch it. Well, it's, I mean, this is this has been the nature of the thing since day one is almost like when you're actually trying to pitch this concept to um, be it an actor or, or a cast um, member or even a crew member. The really difficult thing is to explain, well, I know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about because it's all in my head, but if I have to tell you, I can't. It's you the know. hardest thing with original ideas. Well, you it's, know, it's, it's, it's original. There's <laughs> like, just to set it up, there's a solid plan. Yeah. But if I articulate too much of that solid plan, it's not improvised. Yeah. So it's almost like, I mean, it's kind of a weird one. It's almost like going back to the drama school days where you have to, like when you're doing play stuff like exercises mm. and you, you kind of have like one person's clued up and the rest of the group isn't so mm-hmm. like what murder in the dark or something like that where you know that the killer is they're told who the killer is and then everyone else is clueless and wink murder that was it mm-hmm. and so the murderer is like winking at the victims they have to die and all of this stuff and you have to conceal your identity as a murder away from someone who's guessing as a detective yeah something like that in this case it's like only me only i have the ideas and then it's channeled 
to each pe- uh, even the, even the cast don't know what they're doing until like the day before. That's kind of the nature of this. Well, it's um, talking about drama games really uh, and improvisation. It makes me think of uh, you know when you're doing improv and you you get these you know you you ask for things. So give me a character, or give me a location, or give me a situation, and then you play out the scene improvised. Yeah. But in drama, you just do it once. Whereas when we're doing this, it's like, okay, so how can we get that framework and keep it fresh? Because with film, it's not one take. To a degree in filmmaking anyway, there's always a sense of improvisation because uh, if you're using live location, I think we discussed this in episode one, but if you're using live location, they're not always what you expect them to be. Like sometimes they're smaller, sometimes they're bigger, sometimes Mm -hmm. they're louder, sometimes they're not lit enough, whatever. So when you're creating set designs and things like this, it's similar to stage in that regards. You know what you're working with, right? But when you when you literally strip everything to the basic of basics, in film it doesn't always work because of permissions and because you need to have like at least a leeway of time. Again, one week is really tight mm-hmm. to set things up because... It's just kind of common sense, really, because everything's got to be arranged and, and, and wrapped up. But I feel like the thing that's really cool about FIA, Project FIA, is that we're really pushing the bars on that to sort of demonstrate that, well, at least from my perspective, to demonstrate that it is possible and mm-hmm. that thinking on your feet prepares you for all kinds of filmmaking. Because once you do have a script, you then have more of an, uh, an interpretation of how to actually make that script come to life as mm. opposed to just doing the most obvious thing. Yeah, you see you see the different possibilities of one situation. Yeah, and it prepares you for anything. Mm. I mean, this is really the most, um, like I said this multiple times, I think, but it really is the most ambitious thing we could possibly imagine doing because it is a nightmare, essentially. <laughs> Uh, just from the bureaucracy of all of it it's a nightmare when you when you suggest this kind of a thing but again like i said we want to champion the indies because we want to prove that this can happen well it's it's also it's also really stressful because uh sometimes i'm put in a situation where when i'm asking for something i'm like hi can i have it like in three hours (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) might now be um but i mean this is like and again, this is kind of a testament really to the area that we're in because, you know, film, it's such a nuance here in a sense. I mean, yes, you've got the big guys turning up, but it's only a specific part of Birmingham. When you're actually talking to the everyman or the, um, you know, the smaller companies, and that's what we're really trying to focus on is to put a spotlight on the things that even we didn't know existed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's almost what's really encouraging is that it is a mutual promotion. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when we met uh, Captain Chris Rigby mm-hmm. as well. It's like, you know, I can't speak enough good things about that place. It's One, it's state-of-the-art. Two, it's kind of state-of-the-art but humble. Everyone there is incredibly uh, nice and real and mm-hmm. and always got a great story to tell. And, and yet, you never knew it existed. And so to draw attention or given the opportunity that what we're doing can draw attention to someone like that that's really the champion thing here because you know 
I, I feel like even their rates are better than anyone else yeah. possibly in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the same thing. And that's testament to them. Like if you want to learn to fly, they're probably the best place to do it in in the, in the UK even maybe. Yeah. So what I'm learning is that, that you know, when, when things do shift gears and they aren't exactly um, according to plan again, the cracks widen and, and, and you succeed in the, in, in that, in the almost like when something doesn't work out, it's actually a good thing, which again, doesn't sound like any logic that you could usually apply. Does it? <laughs> no, but, um, failure is the mother of success. So, and or just something. to, well, just to help you out as a producer, when you have a script, script is almost gospel. It's almost like you have to preserve the integrity of the script all the time. Mm -hmm. You're trying to make that script come to life, you know? Whereas if you throw the script out the window, quite literally, and you're dealing with open air, there is no constraint. So Mm -hmm. imagination takes over entirely. And what what I found in week one, and this is really my conclusion to the wrap-up, is um, it's amazing what comes out of nothing it really is like just to give guys a reality uh check with this um it's pete's first foray into film of any kind Mm -hmm. it's shaq's first foray into film of any kind and just seeing the evolution of those guys and just seeing what pete's capable of on on the flies it's unreal it's it's really quite magical if i had a script i feel the pressure yeah. would break them so in some ways this is this is kind of a as absurd as it is as crazy it is as it is it is actually a method that really makes you think as a filmmaker it's it's leading to some good good things you know mm-hmm. and especially i guess it works with raw talent yeah well it's especially i mean i, I feel like you can't really um fashion the talent we have in this show in any other way you know the, the fact that it is a kind of a random coming together and um a random clash of personalities you know that that's blending better and better and better as we go on mm-hmm. it's almost like absurd to try and script that mm-hmm. couldn't imagine doing it the problems are kind of progressing the story and i'll tell you one thing on this point because it is still a conclusion point but it's something and again sorry if this is not your topic but you might find this interesting it's actually something that comes up in the subject of pro wrestling quite a lot because back in the sort of 80s and 90s it was expected to be improv so big celebrities came out of this stone cold steve austin the rock these names that we now know as global massive megastars especially Mm -hmm. the rock who's you know hollywood actor he mastered the the role of improvising, thinking on his feet. He mastered it. Uh, Stone Cold, I don't believe, was scripted. He created everything himself, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a lost art form now because everything in wrestling is scripted. It's yeah. all printed out, and and they have to memorize their their lines and things. And it's an argument. It's an argument to say, well, if you really want the charisma, if you really want the personality and the persona to come through, it's got to be honest. It's got to be organic. It can't mm-hmm. be scripted. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, a big thing in television when you're dealing with the subject of reality. 
you know, and wrestling is reality in a sense. So when you are personality and reality, it's almost like, why are you scripted? Because shouldn't you have enough um, in your in your base character? Yeah, in your yeah. base character to get that charisma forward. Isn't that pretty much what, what the epitome of a pro wrestler superstar should be? Mm. If they're good on the mic, they can think on their feet. And sure. the last real one, I think, was CM Punk. Big shout out to him because mm. he's now in the UFC. But Conor McGregor, if you just see what Conor McGregor's doing for the UFC, everything he's doing is himself turned to like 16... <laughs> even 20 and that's all improv and yet the reactions and the pop and the charisma that guy has it's it's literally megastar territory you know Muhammad Ali kind of world and for me I think that just so you bear with this and keep saying throughout the project that's the nature of this we're one big wrestling promo <laughs> we're trying to um really establish the reality and reality back, you know? Mm. These are real charismatic stories. These are things that are on the fly and they're happening. Yeah. So it is a nightmare and I apologize for that. It's okay. But it, it could makes be, life exciting. Well it could be a lot worse. <laughs> you could be a beetle <laughs> being, being kicked, kicked across, across the floor, the floor by you. By me. That's what you could be. So anyway that's about it. I think that's it. I think we're done. Week one wrap up. We are heading to week two, starting really, really soon. I'm not going to throw out dates. I think it's 24 hours from now. We'll be uh, we'll be setting forth onto the next great adventure, and then hopefully, and I'll say fingers crossed because they're busy lads. But hopefully, we'll get the two two other cast members here next weekend to have a chat. And wrap up the week then as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it goes uh, goes without saying. Everyone take care. Have fun. We'll see you at the same time, same place next week. Don't forget to find us on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash male demon. M-A-I-L-D-E-M-O-N. And follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Project F-I-A. 